Our studies we talked about today, uh, some of those dealt with a humble king, and we're going to further that expression here today as we look at how it relates to us. Him as our humble king, how does that affect us, and how do we live that out? Uh, and that's where we'll be going today. So if you can help me out, though, I'd like you to help me define this word. So when you think of humility, what comes to mind? Maybe it's a word picture. Uh, maybe it's... Uh, a way somebody that you've seen them serve or something, like an act of service, um, how would you define the term humility? Well, let me ask it this way. How many of you are humble? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> right, because that means we're not. Or that means maybe we've got some work to do. Um, so, uh, well, let me just give you a, a, a definition then that comes straight from the dictionary. It says, humility is a modest opinion of one's own importance or rank, right? Some people have defined humility, though, uh, sometimes it comes across as you've got to kind of tear yourself down. Like, humble yourself means point out all your flaws and all your weaknesses and how good you are not or how bad you are. That's not what humility is, right? It's not think, um, think less of yourself, it's... Think of yourself less, right? So thinking less of yourself would be tearing yourself down like I'm a nobody, God can never use me. Thinking of myself less means my life is really not about me, okay? So if you walk out of here with nothing else today, I hope we know that truth that life is not about you. The end result is not your happiness or how well you're satisfied or content in this world. Me either. The end result is God, right? It's Him, it's His glory that we're after, and that's what we pursue. And when we get that right, then other things fall in line just like they've been created. So there's another gentleman here. His name is Andrew Murray. He was a South African pastor. And he's got a, a little quote here about what it looks like to be humble. And so you can follow along if you can read that this morning. If not, you can just listen. But it says, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It's for me to have no trouble. Now that doesn't mean that there's not trouble going on. It just means within... I am not disturbed, never to be fretted, vexed, or irritated, or sore, or disappointed. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me, and when I am blamed or when I'm despised. It's to have a blessed home in the Lord, where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret, and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness, when all around is trouble. Now last week we talked about return to your rest, O oh my soul. Remember that word there, rest, was your lodging place, your home, where you've created to be at peace. And that's what Andrew Murray describes right here. Humility is the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ's redemptive work on Calvary's cross, manifested in those of his own who are definitely subject to the Holy Spirit. All right. Probably my favorite line in the whole thing is that very first one. Humility is perfect quietness of heart. So today we're going to look into what it means to be clothed which, with such a humility. Okay? And we'll see this as we said in 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, or if you're there already, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the wall. But here we've got a guy named Peter who's writing to some Christians, who many of whom were like Jewish converts, and the result of their converting was that they were persecuted. Like, we'd probably not experienced that. Maybe you have. Anybody experienced that? 
Like when you came to follow Jesus, your family kind of disowned you? Does that happen? Or when you started following Jesus, like maybe some friends no longer wanted to talk to you? Maybe the worst thing that could ever happen on the planet, you became unfriended on Facebook? Oh no! Right? Sometimes things like that happen as a result of what we believe or the positions that we hold. Okay, so these people had converted to become followers of Jesus and their family members, and there's still people on the planet who are this way, told them, you're dead to me. And there was persecution that they faced, and so they fled. They were scattered. And so he's writing here to try to encourage them, and he's writing to try to remind them to be humble, even in the midst of things happening that you would say are not fair. Right? Would you agree with that? Is it fair to persecute somebody because they believe differently than you? No. And so these people, I'm sure, were thinking, why, why is this happening to me? And Peter's reminding them, listen, suffering, this is part of it. You know, count, count it as joy when you find yourself facing this suffering here. As James writes, or rejoice like Peter and John did when the religious leaders were persecuting them. It should be uh, something that creates um, some joy in our heart knowing that we're suffering on the call because of Christ. Um, but nonetheless, if you and I were in that position, we would need somebody to come alongside us and encourage us. And so Peter's writing here. Things may have happened that are unfair. You may be away from your family, new home, new job. You may be flat broke, but you have God. And God has saved you. This is Christ who's at work in you. And um, I want to remind you to be humble. This is how you should clothe yourself towards these, all these people. So let's read here 1 Peter 5, and we're going to go to the first seven verses. This is the last kind of section or chapter of this letter. And so to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. But then all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. And so humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so this morning what I want to do is work our way through what does it mean to be clothed with humility? Okay? We probably weren't, we didn't sound like we were real sure what the word humble meant or humility means, and so maybe we're not even sure how to live out humility, how to clothe ourselves with it. Then here let's listen to what Peter says or what God has said through Peter for us today. All right, three things we'll note if you'd like to follow along. You can mark these down on your bulletin. You don't have to at all. Um, but we'll work our way through them. All right? So number one is this. We're going to clothe ourselves by submitting to one another. This is going to be verse 5. And really this is the first five verses of this last section of First Peter. But here we see there's a, a relationship that is to exist between all people. And kind of generally speaking, there is to be this mutual respect. And he's going to start off talking about the elders towards the younger, and then he's going to talk about the younger towards the older. So in a general way, it's kind of this age thing, and in a specific way, it's kind of like pastors to people. And so like pastors, don't lord it over them, don't oppress people, don't beat them up with the truth, but at the same time, people pray for and support and respect and submit to the leadership of, 
God through your pastor. He's talking about this mutual submission. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians as well. Submit to one another. You know, wives submit to your husbands. Well, just prior to that, it says, let everyone be submitted or submitted to uh, one another. And so here it's the same concept. We are to be submitted to one another. So let's go back and read it. In the same way, you are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So one of the ways that we demonstrate pride is when we are not submissive in these sort of relationships that God has intended for you and I to be submissive in. And so verse 5 begins in the same way. So what does that mean? In the same way means prior there had to be something that was described, right? And so what was described prior is this is how the elders are to care for, to submit to the younger, all right? Don't discard them. Don't treat them as though they're idiots. Love them. Lead them. Pray for them. Humble yourself. Put them first. Serve them. And then in return, they're going to do the same thing back. And so this is an act of humility. You know, and in our society, this tends to be kind of a, an opposite thought. Have you ever been treated as though you're unimportant because of your age? And so let's go to the, the people who've been on the planet longer side first. Our older people. Have you ever felt like nobody cares what I think anymore because I'm, I'm older? Nobody, listens, nobody cares about my opinion or they think that I'm out of touch with what's going on in society and culture. Like, those are the old people. Like, I've got students that talk about, this guy was old, he was 30-something. I said, you got an F for today. Don't come back. <laughs> you flunk. Right? So sometimes that happens. We look at older people and we go, oh, that's just outdated. That way of thinking, that's just old. And so sometimes we set that aside. There's not a, a, a submission there, a willingness to listen. Right? We don't have to agree on everything. But a mutual respect, a mutual submission means I'll sit down and value you as a person like what you think matters. Right? Just because we're older doesn't mean we have no value. But we've got to flip that over and go the opposite direction. Right? Do you ever remember being younger, some of you are younger in this room and feeling like my thoughts, ideas, opinions don't matter because I'm so young. Have you ever felt that way? Okay. Right? So sometimes we butt heads here with our parents over things like this because they keep treating us like we're five years old and I'm not five anymore, I'm 15. So you need to treat me like I'm 15 or I'm 21, whatever my age is. Like I've got this figured out like you're old, don't talk to me. And sometimes the old go, you're just young and immature. You're a moron. You don't get it. One day you'll understand. Until then, we'll just kind of tolerate you. Like, neither of those are a reflection of humility. So when I say you're too young for me to learn anything from, what I'm saying is I'm proud and I'm not clothed in humility. And when I say you're too old and out of date, what you think doesn't matter, what it is is I'm proud and I'm not clothed in humility. And so here he's talking about let's have this mutual submission, mutual sub, uh, respect where we are, where we're listening to one another. Okay, what was the guy's name who wrote this letter? Peter, all right? Let's talk about Pete for a minute here. Simon, Cephas, Pete, Peter, Petey, whatever. He's got several names in the Bible. 
When you think about this man, back in Galatians chapter 2, we talked about him five or six weeks ago. You remember the conversation he had with Paul? Galatians chapter 2, you've got this right hand of fellowship that was being extended from Paul to Peter and from Peter to Paul. You remember that? These guys are shaking hands like we're in partnership. We're in the same gospel. Paul, you're going to the Gentiles. Peter, you're going to the Jews. We're ministering in kind of different contexts and to different ways of thinking, but it's the same grace. And so, oh, we're, we're partners in this. Well, you might remember Peter was fine with Paul and the Gentiles until when? Until the Jewish people came to town, right? So he was hanging out, eating with the Gentiles, sitting under the same grace, loving the same God together with them. But then some of these Jewish converts come into town and Peter begins to withdraw from the Gentiles because they're dogs. And Jews don't associate with Gentiles. And if they see me eating with them and eating what they're eating, then I'm not going to be viewed highly over back in this context, which was sinful, which was pride. And so Paul says, Peter stands condemned already. So he went to his friend and he approaches him. You remember this conversation? And he expresses to him in the context of these Jewish people that what you're doing is wrong. How is it that you're asking them to conform to a law that you no longer yourself submit to? You're not under the law, you're under grace. And yet you're separating yourself because these people aren't submitting to Jewish law. What you're saying is not necessary for salvation. And so there becomes this confrontation. Now, we don't know the conversation after that point, right? Paul doesn't go on to write, well, then Peter listened to me and these Jews came and had supper over with the Gentiles and we, we don't know how it all went down. But I think we can assume that Peter took that well, okay? Galatians was said to be written around 55 A.D. 1 Peter was written around 67 to 68 A.D. So we've got maybe a 12 to 13 year gap between these two things. Okay? What is Peter writing about? He's writing about submitting to one another. Listening to one another. Showing mutual respect to one another. Okay? So what he had experienced personally with Paul, he's now teaching as this is how you are to live. And so maybe he had a moment of rebellion or rejection or where he just reacted like we do sometimes. Maybe he had that moment. We don't know. But what we do know is that his teaching was conformed to what Paul expressed to him 12 or 13 years prior. So one of the ways to clothe ourselves in humility is to submit to one another. You have anybody in your life it's hard to submit to? Older, younger, teacher, parent, coach, pastor, Spouse, child, neighbor, co-worker, you name it, all right? Sometimes it's just hard to be submissive. And yet here, Peter says, this is one of the marks. It's one of the identifiable traits of a follower of Christ. It's that we're clothed in humility. All right, let's go secondly here. To be clothed in humility means that we're going to live as servants just as Jesus lived. Now, as Peter begins this letter... Verse 1, Peter writes and says that he is an, an elder, but he's also an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ. So he's not passing this on like, hey, you know what? My grandpa told me one time about the greatest baseball player who ever lived, and I didn't meet him, but his name was such and such. That's not what Peter's doing. Peter's saying, one day I was fishing, 
And this guy told me I could start catching people instead of fish. And I thought he was crazy, but I went ahead and followed him. And for years, I saw him do miracles, and I listened to him teach. And I said, I'd die with this guy, but then I betrayed him and ran away. And I saw him crucified, but then I also saw him resurrected. Like, he's saying, for me to deny this would make me a liar. You have moments in your life like that? I shared that at one of the things that our Wednesday uh, life group here this week. I've got several moments like that where you go, you know, sometimes you hear somebody's testimony and you go, well, that's God doing that? And God really works in those ways? Like, that doesn't necessarily line up with the way I believe or understand God to be. God did that. For me to say anything different makes me a liar. Right? So for Peter to stand up and say anything other than, I have seen the resurrected Jesus. I have heard His teaching. I've witnessed His humility. Would make him a liar. And so he's going to give this from his first-hand experience. He witnessed the extreme humility of Christ. Let's go back to verse 5. And we'll see this. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit to yourselves to your elders. Right? That's just the flip of the coin from verse 1. Those who are older should, should not lord it over, but respect, submit to those who are younger. All of you then, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Now, this phrase here, clothe yourself, comes from a fun little Greek word. Okay? You might want to write this down. I'm going to ask you to say it with me. I'll say it. So it's incombomai. You got it? It sounds like income. It's actually E-G, but it's pronounced E-N-G. Ing. Can you say ing? All right. K-O-M is come. Come. Then it's B-O-O-M, but it's pronounced, if there were a word, B-O-M-E. You know, we'd say B-O-N-E is bone. Replace the N with an M, and so you get what? Boom, and then just say the letters I-E, I-E, all right, which is really A-H-E-E. It's really A-I, the letters, but they pronounce it I-E. So when you put it all together, incombomai, got it? All right, so you might want to write that down, look it up later. Listen, it's important when you study the Word of God and you come across a word, look that word up. You know, rather, not just in a, a the or, you know, an and or an or. I mean, they have their place of importance as well as they connect thoughts together. But look up all these words. Like, take time when you study a passage, instead of reading a whole chapter, which is good sometimes, take time to read a verse and just break it down word for word. And what does it mean? What did it mean in its original language? What you'll see here, inkambumai means to clothe yourself with or to tie on or to gird yourself with. So I could say of you this morning, incumbumai uh, dress. What did I just say? You've clothed yourself with a dress. Or incumbumai shirt. And we would say you've clothed yourself with a shirt. Right? So that's the Greek word there. So what does this even mean, Pastor? Why are you going through the details of all this? Well, here's the picture of incumbumai. To be clothed with comes from the apron that a servant would wear. The servant's apron. So just think with me for a moment. Let's say we were going to go visit somebody who had hired servants. We had never met this family, didn't know a clue about them. But we walk in their home and we see people who are wearing a servant's apron. We could identify really quickly who lived here and who worked here. Couldn't we? 
I mean, if we knew what a servant's apron looked like, that's what the servants would have on. So back in the day where there were hired servants in Jesus' day, there were people, you walk in a house, you go, oh, here's the family and here's the hired servants. You could tell immediately who was who. Uh, so even if you didn't know the family, you could identify the servants. And the same is true, is the same is to be true as followers of Jesus. Right? Somebody doesn't have to know that you follow Jesus by how you talk, but they should by how we live. There should be an identifiable thing. So I'm not saying, hey, let's go out and buy a bunch of servants' aprons and just wear them around town. And when people say, why are you wearing that? We can say, well, because I'm humble. Because I love Jesus. That's not the point here. The point is, let's get back to a picture that Peter had in mind, I believe, when he wrote this. So think back with me. When is a moment in time for Peter when he would have witnessed Jesus in Kambomai, uh, a towel when he was washing feet. The only place this Greek word occurs is right here in 1 Peter 5. To be clothed with, it means to be girded with, it means to tie on. So I believe when Peter is writing this clothed in humility, his mind is rushing back to a beautiful example of humility. You might remember Jesus and his disciples having supper one night. We call it the Last Supper. They didn't, right? Uh, we don't want to know that. <laughs> Do you want tonight to be your Last Supper? I think not, all right? They didn't know that either. Jesus knew, but these guys, it just didn't click. They couldn't see it, what he had said to them over and over again. So after the evening meal finishes, Jesus gets out from the table and he takes off his outer garment and he ties on, he incumbumai, a towel, and he begins to traverse around this table washing the feet of his disciples. Remember that? John 13. And he gets to Peter, and Peter's the one that we only have the conversation with. He's like, Lord, what are you doing? Wait, wait, wait. Like, there is no way you're going to touch my feet. No way. And Jesus says, well, Peter, if I don't wash you, then you have no part with me. And Peter, being the extreme guy that he is, goes to the other end, right? And he says, not just my feet, but head to toe. And Jesus says, wait, 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 that's not what it's about. Somebody who's already had a bath is clean. Like, there's a lesson I'm trying to teach you, Peter. What you're seeing here in your master, your servant master, is something that I'm going to ask you to do for the rest of your life. John 13, 15, Jesus is going to express to them why I've done this. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. Clothed himself in humility. All right, several years ago, I shared a message or a thought called, Would You Stoop That Low? You remember that one? I mean, you write all these down, right? I know they're hanging on your refrigerator and just like they are at my house. I couldn't tell you two months ago, all right? It's a word for the day most of the time. But Jesus set an example for these guys to follow. And the example was extreme humility. Like there isn't a point that you could stoop where I would go, oh, don't, don't go that low. Don't serve that. Don't be that humble. I mean, that's taken a little far. That's a little bit of an exaggerate. Now you're just drawing attention to yourself, which makes you proud. You'll never hear Jesus say anything about, don't go that low. He went to the lowest low when he tied on the towel and he began to wash his disciples' feet. 
And he set for them this example of how to be clothed in humility. Does this mean we walk around with towels everywhere and wash people's feet on sidewalks? It just might. I'm not saying that's the only thing it means. Have you seen, there's a documentary of a guy who's done this very thing. He sets up on a corner, he's got a sign and says, would you let me wash your feet? And people stop. It's insane. Would you stop? No, I'm like, you're not even seeing my feet, let alone wash them. And people will sit down, they'll take their, well, he'll take their shoes off. And he's got like all, all sorts of stuff there to make their feet like soft and to remove, you know, maybe hard spots or whatever. And while he's doing this, he's just talking to them about their value, how they have worth, how there's a God who loves them, how there's a God that stooped this low to demonstrate his love towards you. All right, and then he puts their socks or their shoes back on and he gives them a hug and they go on about their day. So maybe for him, inkumbumai means to be clothed with a towel. Maybe God would ask us to do that somewhere along the way. But the real picture here above all is to be clothed in humility. Right? He doesn't say put on a specific shirt or dress. He says to put on a specific attitude. Meekness here, humility. To carry yourself as Jesus carried himself. And then Paul outlines the greatest example ever of humility. You remember Philippians 2, this isn't on the wall. Philippians 2 says, Let this mindset be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to death and that death on the cross. What did he do to get to the cross? He humbled himself. He laid aside his rights. I'm God in the flesh. Everybody on this planet should understand this and worship me. And yet I'll go to a place that I don't deserve. And I'll carry a cross that's not mine deservingly. I'll humble myself. I'll stoop that low to show you what it is to be a servant of God. And so this is what it looks like to be clothed in humility. Serving like Jesus served. And so are we clothed in, in that sort of way? And then three here this morning. We're going to clothe ourselves by casting our cares upon God. And so Peter makes something very clear here. Those who will not humble themselves before God will be humbled by God. And he uses the word oppose. That's our English word. The original word there means, well, when we think of the word oppose, we think of like maybe somebody has a different viewpoint than we have, somebody that doesn't agree with us. Do you think of the word oppose as hostile? And we probably use a stronger word there than the word oppose. And yet in the original language, when you look up that word, what it means is to line up against like an army. So when I come before God and I am unwilling to humble myself, I've got an attitude of pride. What I'm doing, I'm calling out God or I'm calling out the army of God to line up against me and we're going to battle. We're going to square off, so bring it. All right? Who's going to win that battle? Not me, right? I will ultimately be humbled. So God says, you can do it yourself or I'll do it, but if you're going to stand against me, I'm going to oppose you. I'm going to line up against you just like an army and you won't be able to defeat me. So humble yourself or I'll do it for you. That's the kind of God he is. He kind of reminds me of... Uh, uh, Gamaliel. You remember Ga uh, Gamaliel? 
Acts chapter 5, right? You got Peter and John preaching and they're put in the prison because they're preaching, said don't preach anymore. And nighttime, the doors open and they go back to the temple and keep preaching. The religious leaders find out about it, bring them into court. Like, what are you doing? We told you to quit preaching. All right, and so they say, listen, you're just men. This is what God's told us to do and we're going to do it regardless of what happens. And so the crowd gets a little bit angry and they're ready to kill these men. And Gamaliel, this wise Pharisee, says, wait a minute, send the guys out. Let's kind of have a closed meeting here. And Gamaliel starts to list a couple of guys. It's like Judeus and another individual, I can't remember his name right now, who were leading rebellions. And when they killed the leader, what happened to all the followers? They just scattered and the movement ended. All right? And so Gamaliel is saying here, listen, we've killed this Jesus. Let's just see what happens to his followers. All right? If he really is resurrected... I'm going to tell you something, boys. You're not going to be able to stop it. You're going to be fighting against God, and that's a losing battle. If it's of men, it'll fade, it'll go away. Just let it play out. But if it's of God, you're wasting your breath and your time. Because He lines up against. He's opposed to the proud. Deal Moody said, Be humble or you will stumble. That's pretty simple to remember. But the text is going to call us to humble ourselves. And so how do we do it? How do I humble myself? One of the ways is to acknowledge that I'm not my best answer. You ever feel like you're your best solution? You're your only hope? If I don't do it, nobody else will? You ever said that? I mean, if it comes to mowing your grass or washing dishes, don't think God's going to send down an angel to all of a sudden start mowing and washing. But sometimes we take on life's big issues like, I've got to do this, and if I don't do it, no one else will, as though there's no God around. It's like, I'm my best solution. That's an attitude of pride. When I try to resolve my cares as though I am my best solution, what I'm saying is, God, I've got this. When God's saying all along, no, you don't. I've got this. When I try to go my own way thinking this is best without consulting or sensing the prodding and leading of God, what I'm saying is God, my way is best. I'm just squaring off against God with pride. So to clothe myself in humility means I surrender and I follow however He leads, whatever He asks. Humility means I'll trust Your Word and I'll trust You as God. So back in verse 6 here. Right, if we were to back that up to verse 5, it says, right, God resists the proud, but He exalts the humble. Therefore then, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, under the authority of God, under the fact and the truth that He is God, under the leadership of God. Submit yourself, surrender yourself under Him so that He may lift you up in due time. And then verse 7 says, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. See, as I cast my cares on God, I do that through prayer. And by prayer, I don't necessarily mean that I'm sitting there all quiet, eyes closed, head bowed. Sometimes, you know, prayer is described as a cry. You ever cried out to God? You ever said, God, I can't do this anymore? Never? Never? 
What do you call that? That's casting your cares on God. No, maybe it wasn't this polite, reverent, simple prayer. You know, I sat in that sound booth not too long ago. And I threw my hands up and said that very thing. He's like, I'm not asking you to do what you think you're trying to do. And it was this attitude of pride. Like, you've got to humble yourself. Submit to my mighty hands. Submit to my authority. Trust me to be God in your life. See, I know I'm not my best answer, but sometimes I function as though I am. I know that I don't know the best way, and yet sometimes I try to do it alone. Like, God, I don't need to worry you with this. I'll just carry it myself. Or sometimes you may try to change yourself, and you find yourself right back in the same situation. Now, can you accomplish anything that matters eternally without God? No. We don't get anything done that matters forever apart from God. And that's why it says here, when you find yourself burdened, worried, anxious, afraid, you're not your best answer. When you think you are, that's called pride, and God will oppose you. But when you and I find ourselves submitting, surrendered, turning over, at rest, we find ourselves being clothed in humility. The promise here is, that God cares for us. Right? Drop it in His lap. Set it on His table. Take it from your heart. Place it on His. Knowing that He cares for you. He knows every detail of what you're facing. He knows the, how to be the right, the right way. He knows the best solution. He knows the change to be made. He knows how all this is going to bring Him glory. So my job is to trust Him and my job is to pray. And so I say, Lord, teach me as I surrender. I say, Lord, take this off me because I can't do this and I know I'm not meant to do this. This is for you and you alone and so I lay it in your lap. It's just a real simple, my life for your glory. My life for your glory. That means every breath I take, I want the intention of my heart, what I'm striving to accomplish, to bring you glory. That's true right now. We stand to speak, when we sing, when we shake hands, when we listen, when we pat somebody on the back, right? when we go out and perform acts of service or acts of compassion and we work to help someone in need, all these things are compelled by the glory of God. I want you to be honored. I want you to be pleased. And really, the only thing that should ever distress us is when God's not being glorified. Well, this person's mad at me and they're saying all kinds of stuff. Is God being glorified is what should really be at the root of that. You know, a zeal for His glory. A burden for people. Here Peter writes and says, if you're going to clothe yourself in humility, humble yourself, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. So here, we've looked at a few different ways this morning, okay? These aren't all the ways, but these are ways that we're to be clothed. And so we're to take time to submit ourselves to God as we've just talked about there. We're to serve one another. And we're to clothe ourselves with that servant's apron. 
And we're to cast our cares on God, knowing that He cares for us. And if these are three ways that help us understand humility, what I wonder is, are we clothed in these ways? Are we submissive? Or do we have an attitude that says, I don't need you, I can't learn anything from you? Or you're too young, you're too old, you don't know, whatever. You know, we put people on the shelf, God doesn't. Maybe there's something there, somebody you need to submit to. Are we serving like Jesus served us? Like, is there somebody you say you can't serve? That's a heart problem. And the root of every sin is pride. And God said, I oppose the proud. So you're lining up against God with your bitterness or your grudge or your unforgiveness or your willingness, unwillingness to associate. Thinking that it's okay and pleasing to God. It's just not. Maybe today we need to submit to the Lord there. Or maybe there's a care you're trying to be your best solution for. I want to encourage you just to lay that over in His hands. Trusting Him to be God. Surrender there. Right, do what you know to do, trusting Him to do what He's going to do. Yeah. How many of you looked in, a morning, in the mirror before you left your house this morning? Only a few of us? You know, sometimes people say that to you being goofy. Like I mean, I've heard students, some of my students say that. Did you look in a mirror before you walked out this morning? Like, did you intend to look that way? You know, this morning I was ironing this shirt. You can't tell now. And my daughter Lucy was sitting there on the steps. She's like, what are you doing? Why do you put water in that? And so I showed her how this iron worked. Right? You guys know how an iron works. Puts out this steam and it's hot and that metal plate there and you can just slide it along long it takes out the wrinkles why because I don't want to wear a wrinkly shirt it bothers me do you some people don't care right but there's a reason there are things in your closet that aren't mine because you want people to identify you a certain way you want to clothe yourself in a certain way, right? How many of you will wear a dress or a shirt or blouse that's got stains all over it? To church, maybe to work in or something, but to a wedding or to you know, a special event graduation or to a church service? No, like that stuff we give away. You know, we treat it and fold it up real nice so you can't see the spots and we give it to Goodwill with the good intention. Salvation Army. Maybe somebody else wants what we don't. The glasses we wear, the hairstyles that you have, the shoes. We're interested in how people think about us. We're interested in how they see us, aren't we? And so we clothe ourselves in a certain way. We go to great lengths to clothe ourselves in a certain way. All I'm really getting at is if we're to be clothed in humility, are we going even further so that when people look at us, they see this expression of humility? And if somebody just met us within the first five minutes, would they be able to say of you and I, I don't know them that well, but they seem to be very humble. 
Sometimes we take a whole lot of care to iron out wrinkles and to dress it up and look nice so people think, oh, that's how she dresses or he dresses. We want them to have a certain perception in their mind. What Peter says, what we want people to think when they see us is that we've been clothed with humility. Incambumai. Clothed in the humility of Christ. And so are we dressed in such a way that people would identify us as humble? 